So I'm uh, Pastor Ben, um, and uh, if you don't know, uh, I live here in town with my, my wife and my three kids, and I actually grew up in Warsaw, and I grew up going to this church. And when I was younger, when I was a teenager, our church sent a team of young people on a missions trip to Chicago. And uh, I remember we were all packed into a little, like, 12-passenger van, as one does with a group of young teens, and we drove to Chicago. And I don't remember exactly uh, what, when it was, but I'm pretty sure it was in the middle of summer, because I remember that it was, like, unbearably hot in the back of that, that van. I was seated in, in the back row, and they didn't have the windows that rolled down. There were little windows that, like, just push out a tiny bit, um, which doesn't really give you a whole lot of... Um, hot air, um, and it probably wouldn't have mattered because most of the air that would have come in probably would have just been the exhaust of the other vehicles on the road. But I, I remember that was a great trip that we took, and um, we, what we did is we stayed at this little like apartment in downtown Chicago, and our team stayed there, and we worked at this church that was a couple blocks down the road from the, that apartment. And we helped them with like a, like a kids' ministry, like a VBS kind of thing. We worked with kids. And then we also did some uh, renovations at the church. We painted some of the rooms. And we, we, I remember we tore up this carpet that was there and tried to help them uh, clean it up. Uh, one of the first days, it might have been the first day we got there, uh, before we did anything, we stopped um, you know, to, to gather ourselves and talk about our day. And our team leader was Tad Raleigh, if anybody remembers Tad. But our team leader... He asked, uh, would someone like to pray? And if you ever ask that question to a group of young teens, what you'll probably get is silence. Crickets all around. No one volunteering. And so he uh, continued to gently challenge us. And he said, prayer is a privilege for each one of us. Prayer is not a chore. Prayer is not something you should avoid. Prayer is an incredible opportunity that every one of us have, that we can speak to God at any time, anywhere, about anything, and he listens to us. This is amazing. And prayer is not something we should ever avoid. Prayer is not something we should ever be reluctant to do. And I still remember what he said. Prayer is a privilege for us. And that really stuck with me, and I feel like that really influenced how I think about prayer. What an opportunity it is for us to come before God. And so if you have ever felt like prayer feels like it's a difficult chore, if you ever felt like prayer uh, was something unenjoyable, something you wanted to avoid doing, then I wonder, maybe you're just overcomplicating it. And I want to say, as simple as I can, that prayer is just talking with God. Prayer it's just talking with God. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. It's just a conversation with God. And when, when, real, when we realize this, when we think about prayer this way, it helps us understand how important prayer is to us. Because without conversation, there's no relationship. Without conversation, there's no relationship. Um, I have some good friends that I have no relationship with. Some really good friends, close friends, people that I grew up with, people that I get along really, really well, 
but I have no relationship with them. And it's not because we had a falling out, it's not because we disagreed, it's because there's no conversation. They moved away, I don't see them, I don't think to call them or text them, we don't talk. And because we don't talk, there's no more, longer any friendship. Maybe you have friends, the same sort of thing has happened to you where you've just drifted away. And the same thing happens in our relationship with God. If there's no conversation, then there's no relationship. We're doing this series, Back to the Basics, and I would argue that prayer is the most fundamental, basic part of being a Christian. I would argue prayer is the most basic, and here's why I argue that. Prayer is the basis of our relationship with God. So without prayer, there's no relationship. And without relationship, then nothing else we do makes any sense at all, okay? If there's no relationship with God, then worship is just singing. If there's no relationship with God, then Bible reading is just more homework to do. If there's no relationship with God, then giving is just a tax write-off, and missions is just charity work. If we have no relationship with God, then our church just becomes a glorified Boy Scout troop. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for the Boy Scouts, but God made me for something more than that. Jesus came, and he paid the price, and he saved me for more than that. I was designed for more than that. I was made for friendship with God. I was made for close relationship with God. And so were each one of you. And that requires conversation. That requires prayer. So we're going to look this morning at a passage in the Bible. It's in the book of Luke in which Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there, you can. It'll also be up here on the screens. Um, but it's going to be Luke. We're looking at chapter 11. Uh, so in, in, this, in chapter 11, we'll start right at verse 1 in uh, Luke chapter 11, we find this really interesting conversation going on between Jesus and his disciples. And I think we can learn a lot um, from this conversation. So it says, starting verse 1, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So I just want to pause right there. Do you notice anything odd about that first sentence? It says, Jesus was praying. Jesus, the Son of God, who was with God, who was God, was praying. Now think about that. If Jesus is God, then who is he praying to? And when we think about prayer, we think we're asking God to do something, or we're asking God to give us something. But if Jesus has all the authority and all of the power and all the wisdom of God, then what is he asking for? What does he need that he can't already do? I believe Jesus is praying not because he needs something, but because he wants relationship. Because he understands the value of being close with the Father. And in fact, if you read the gospel, the story of Jesus, you'll see many times when he pulls away from a people and he spends time in prayer. And it's not because he's saying, God, I really need help. God, I need you to give me something. I need you to do something. What he's saying is, 
He wants to know the heart of the Father. He wants to hear the Father. He wants to draw close to the Father. He wants to have conversation with Him. And if Jesus, who was the Son of God, who came from God, if He needed time of prayer to keep a relationship with God, how much more do we, right? How much more do we need that communication with Him? So he's praying in a certain place, and when he finishes praying, one of his disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray. And so you've got got to understand, at this point uh, in the story, these young men, his disciples, these young men have been traveling with Jesus for about two, maybe two and a half years they've been traveling with him. And he's been ministering, he's been teaching, he's been um, arguing with the religious leaders, he's been He's been healing people. He's been doing miracles. And they've been there, front row seat, to all of this stuff. And after having seen his miracles and heard his teaching, they said, teach us to pray. And I think they could see that there was something in his ministry, something greater than the miracles, greater than the teaching, and that was his relationship with the Father. And they said, teach us that. Now, i got to believe these young men, these are Jewish men who grew up um, in a Jewish culture that is a very religious, very structured culture, I got to believe at some point their parents taught them to pray. I got to believe they'd been in synagogues and they heard praying before. I got to believe um, that they probably even had some prayers memorized, I would imagine. So when they see Jesus pray and they say, teach us, I think what they're saying is, teach us to pray like you pray. They could see that there's something more. Jesus had something more than just words he memorized, something he was going through, but he had a relationship. And they said, we want that. Teach us how to do that. So in response to their request, Jesus teaches them um, how to pray. And he teaches them this short, simple prayer. Um, It's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. It's a very well-known, it's become pretty famous. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if many of you have it memorized and can recite it already. But he gives them this prayer, and I'm going to read it to you here. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And while these words um, are widely known and and well-memorized by people, I honestly don't think that Jesus intended for us to recite this prayer word for word. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Actually, I think it's a beautiful prayer, um, and I think that it's a, a great prayer for us to memorize and to use. But I don't think Jesus was saying, these are the words you must say when you pray. I think he was just using this as an example, to teach us a lesson. And the first and most important lesson I think he's teaching us here is that we talk to God like he is a loving father. We can talk to God like he is our loving father. And you can see that it's the very first thing he says in his prayer. He says, Father. And that word father, that understanding of father, I think influences the way that he prays. His prayer, um, if you look at the the prayer, which we will, 
It's a combination of respect for the Father, but also closeness and intimacy with the Father. It's a combination of both of those things. So the prayer starts off and it says, uh, with a recognition that God is holy and that God is in heaven. But then he adds that uh, your kingdom is coming and your will be done. And so this is his recognition that God is holy. He is set apart. He is unlike all the other things that I, I see and understand. And that his will is above all. This reminds me of this the old adage, father knows best. I don't know if anyone remembers that, that expression. If you're younger, maybe you haven't heard that one before. But father knows best, which is just to say, um, if, if dad said to do it, we've got to trust that he knows what he's doing. we got to trust. Um, and I'll tell you, as a father of three kids myself, it's not always true. Dad doesn't always know, uh, you know, doesn't always know what to do. But with our Heavenly Father, it is true that He, in fact, does know best. And we can trust that His will is the best. Even when there's times when you say, God, this doesn't make sense. God, this, this is painful. This shouldn't be this way. We can trust that His will, His plan, is the best thing. He's a good God, and He's a loving God. And whatever He has in mind is what I want for my life. Talking to God like he's a loving father encourages us to treat him with respect. But it also invites us to approach him with comfort, maybe even familiarity. And this is an idea uh, that's really easy to see with young kids. Like I said, I have three kids of my own. Um, and especially when they're younger, you can really see this idea where, let's imagine that uh, I'm doing something, and uh, maybe I'm busy, maybe I'm on the phone, maybe I'm talking to somebody, I'm in the middle of something. And you might look at that and say, okay, well, there's, there's a man who's in the middle of something important. But when my kids see me, they don't see, oh, but dad's in the middle of something important. They just see, that's my dad. And if I have a question, if I have a need, there's no problem interrupting whatever he's doing because that's my father. And I don't see him as just some important person. I see him as my father. And they don't mind at all interrupting with even the smallest little thing. And I think that Jesus is teaching us that we can have a similar attitude when we approach God as our Father. We don't have to say, well, he's exalted, he's in heaven, he's far removed, and I don't want to bother him. He encourages us to approach him as a loving Father and interrupt when we need him. So Jesus, uh, he then shifts his focus. He's, you know, he's talking about the, the Father and then he shifts his focus off of the Father to talk about us. He talks about our needs. He says, give us bread, forgive our sins, and protect us from evil. And this part of the prayer demonstrates uh, dependence. It demonstrates dependence upon God, dependence upon the Father. And I think that's something we, we see is a good thing. I don't think God is bothered by the fact that we need him for the most basic needs. I think he loves that when we come to him and we say, God, I need, I need this. I need forgiveness. I need food. I need shelter. We all have needs, and there are simple basic needs like food and shelter, but then there are more complicated needs. A need to be loved. A need to be accepted. A need to be understood. A need for wisdom and encouragement. 
And we can bring those needs to our Father. We can bring those needs honestly before Him. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, there's another part uh, of the Gospels where there's a sermon there. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You don't have to turn there, uh, but Jesus is teaching there about prayer. And He says something really cool in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans do. They think that they're going to be heard because they use so many words. Don't pray like that. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So there's no shame in admitting your need because, spoiler alert, He already knows it. There's, there should be no embarrassment, no hesitation to tell him when you need something because he already knows you need it. The other thing I really like about this verse in uh, Matthew 6, it says, you know, the, the, the pagans are babbling and they think they're going to be heard because of their many words, but don't be like that. And this teaches us, keep your prayers simple. You don't need many words. You don't need fancy words. You don't need Greek and Hebrew and thee and thou. You don't, you don't need to start your prayers with, dear Lord, and end with, in your name, amen. That, you don't have to have that for prayer. There's only one requirement for prayer. The only requirement for prayer is honesty. The only requirement for prayer is honesty. And learning that lesson is one of the most significant lessons in my own personal spiritual journey. My prayer life became quite a bit more powerful when I realized that God can handle my honesty. God can handle it when I say, I don't know what to think anymore. I don't even know if I, I don't know what to pray. I don't even want to pray right now. Why did you let this happen? Where were you when I needed you? And those things sound hard and they sound harsh, but God can handle it. He's got pretty tough skin. And I think he appreciates the honesty. He appreciates hearing what's really in our hearts. Because honest communication builds relationship, right? Without conversation, there's no relationship. And he wants that relationship. He wants conversation. He wants to know what's going on. So let's, let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 11, right? pick up where we were. He gives the, the Lord's Prayer. Um, teaches them how to pray, teaches them to approach God as a loving Father. And then after he gives this little prayer, um, he then illustrates a lesson using a little story. So starting in verse 5, we'll read the little story he gives them. He says, Jesus said to them, suppose that one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, uh, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine uh, has been on a journey, has come, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers and says, don't bother me. No, the door's already locked. My kids and I were in bed. I'm not going to get up and give you anything. But I tell you, even though he won't give up and give him bread because he is friend, his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will surely get up and give him as he needs. So in this story, we have a little bit of an analogy going on here. I love a good analogy. There's one here. Uh, we have a man who needs some bread. A guest showed up at his house unexpectedly late at night, and he's got nothing to feed him, so he needs bread. 
that man represents us and our needs. And then, uh, so then he goes to his friend's house. His friend uh, presumably has a cupboard full of bread. And this man represents God who has, is capable of meeting our needs. So what Jesus is teaching us here is that we can talk to God like a good friend. We can talk to God like he's a good friend. And, you know, when I read this story first, I was a little bit confused. I don't know if you felt this way when you read it. Um, so the man first asks for bread, and his friend says, no. He says, no, I'm already in bed, I'm sleeping, my kids are sleeping. I mean, probably he just doesn't want to wake up the kids who just fell asleep, and I, I get that. Um, but then the man is so annoying and keeps knocking and knocking, and he finally gets up and gives him the bread. So is Jesus telling us that if we annoy God enough, he's going to give us what we want? Like, that doesn't seem to sit right with me. Jesus telling us, just keep annoying God. Eventually, he'll give in. That's what the story, the analogy seems to say to me, and it doesn't seem right. So I I looked at it a little bit more, uh, and I think the key to understanding this story is a word that's found in verse 8. And if you look at verse 8, it says, The friend will not get up and he will not give bread just because he's his friend, but because of the man's boldness. Now, if you have your Bible open in front of you, you might actually have a different word. This this word is translated differently in different translations. Um, Here we have boldness, and that's a good word. Uh, Other Bibles will use the word persistence. Uh, An older Bible will tend to use the word importunity, uh, which I had to look up in the dictionary to know what that meant. But one of my favorite words I found in one of the translations was audacity. I like that word Um, because I think that captures what it takes to knock on someone's door in the middle of the night and ask them for bread. The character trait that Jesus is highlighting here is persistent, audacious boldness in your asking. You might ask yourself, hey, why are there so many different words being used here? Why can't they just pick one word? And all these different words, um, persistence, importunity, uh, audacity, boldness, they're trying to capture the meaning of the original Greek word, which is aniadeia. And this Greek word aniadeia literally means without any shame. The idea here is that this man has such a close friendship that he's not ashamed to knock on his door in the middle of the night and ask for bread. He's not embarrassed. He's not bothered about waking up his friend's kids. Just think for a second, okay? Just imagine for a second that you are at your friend's house in the middle of the night asking if they have any pizza in their fridge. Okay, can can you picture yourself doing that? If you can picture yourself doing that, whatever friend's door you're knocking on, that's one of your closest friends, right? That's going to be your closest friend. And Jesus is inviting us to approach God in the same way, like he's a close friend, somebody we don't mind um, interrupting. We don't mind bothering, if you'll put it that way. Don't ever let shame or embarrassment keep you from God. Don't ever think, I I shouldn't pray about this. I shouldn't ask God for help with this. Don't ever think, this is my problem. This is my own fault. I can't ask God to help me fix this problem. I caused this problem. 
Don't ever think that. Your prayers don't bother God. Your prayers don't annoy God. Your prayers don't worry him. Uh, 1 Peter 5.7 says, Give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. Give your worries and your cares to God, because he cares about you. That's how much he cares about you. There's, a lot of, there's people that I care a lot about, but I don't know that I would want them to give me all of their worries. I don't know if I could handle that. But God, he's inviting that. He can handle that. Give him all of your worries. There's nothing too embarrassing, nothing too insignificant, nothing too annoying to share it with him. And I'll tell you this, not all prayer has to sound spiritual. Prayer should sound more like conversation. You could just be telling the Lord what's on your mind, what you're thinking right now. In fact, I think it's good that our prayer sounds like a conversation because without conversation, there's no relationship. Brother Lawrence, in his well-known book, The Practice of the Presence of God, said, There is not in this world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of continual conversation with God. There's not in this life, not in this world, a kind of life more sweet and delightful than continual conversation. You notice he didn't say there's not a moment more sweet than a moment of prayer. He said there's not a life more sweet than continual conversation. He's talking about a lifestyle of continual conversation, and that is a lifestyle that I want to, be, I want to live. I told you about this trip that um, I went on as a teen to Chicago, and uh, the, you know, the, the leader challenged us never to be reluctant to pray. And so I decided in that moment that I'm, I am never going to hesitate to pray, and I'm always going to be the first one to volunteer to pray. And so anytime after that, for the rest of the trip, uh, if there was any time they asked for prayer, and it would be before we eat a meal or before we go out somewhere, does anyone like to pray? I was always the first one to volunteer. And it kind of became a little bit of a joke on our team. Um, you know, if they asked who, who would like to pray, they knew I was going to be the first one to volunteer. So this one day, so near the end of our trip, um, I think we were there for like a, a week, and at the end of the week, uh, we were going to the, the church for um, one of our last days of ministry. I remember in the morning, we, we would walk there from our apartment. We'd walk a couple blocks down the street to the church, and I remember for some reason, the team left without me. Um, and if I remember right, uh, I think I went back into the apartment because I needed another roll of film for my camera. Some of you don't know what that means, but some of you older folks know what I'm talking about. And I think that in my mind, that's what happened. But I, of course, as a teenager, I didn't tell the leader that I was leaving. So I went back in the house to get something. When I came back out, the team was gone. But I knew where the church was. It's just a couple blocks. Um, so I walked down to the, the church. But this being inner city Chicago, where this church was, there was like a gate in front of it that was locked. So you couldn't get in. And we didn't have cell phones back then. So I was just like knocking on the door, but nobody could hear me. It was a really big church. Uh, I don't think they could hear me. or I don't know. And so I didn't know what to do. I was stuck outside. The team on the inside was preparing to do whatever ministry that they were doing that day. And so they gathered before they, they got started, and they said, would anyone like to pray? And there was silence. And that's when they realized that I wasn't there. 
And then they sent someone to go and get me, which is a funny story, but I actually love that story. I love that. I want to be known as somebody who prays. I want to be known as somebody who's quick to pray. I want to be so that when I'm not there, people are noticing that. That's the kind of person I want to be. So I want to remind you what that leader said. He said, prayer is a privilege. Prayer is an incredible opportunity for us. It's not a chore. It's not something to be avoided. It's an incredible gift for us that we can talk to God anytime about anything. It's just talking with God. And I want to challenge you, especially in this, in this month, um, as we look back at the basics, I want to challenge you to pray more. But when I say pray more, I'm not challenging you to do something difficult. I'm inviting you to do something that's wonderful. So I want to close, um, but I want to throw those five questions back up on the screen there. Just take a moment. Um, and you can pull out your phone if that's easy, or make a note on uh, a piece of paper, or um, write it on your arm, whatever you got to do. Uh, real quick, just take a moment and, uh, and think. <clears throat> What's something you want to do more of? What's something you want to do less of? What's something you want to start? What's something you want to stop? And what's something you need to continue doing? And I'll close uh, fittingly with a prayer. Lori, thank you so much uh, for this invitation to have conversation with you. I thank you, Lord, that you... You made that possible for us. And I pray your blessing on all of these, uh, even now as they're uh, making uh, commitments and decisions um, to keep that conversation with you going. pray that you would bless them in their efforts. pray you would bless us as we uh, look to do more of the things that are good and less of the things that are, are not. Um, and we ask for your help in that. Uh, and I pray your blessing on the rest of this week. In your name, amen. 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 Be blessed. Have a good week. Uh, as Pastor John mentioned, there will be someone handing out uh, budgets at the, the back of the, at the door on your way out if you'd like to grab one. Thank you.